0: So after the fearless vampire killers, I think we'll, we'll just proceed through these film selections. We'll see what we can glean from them. The next one on the chronology is of course, Rosemary's baby. I feel like probably most people have seen it. We don't need, we've already sort of summarized, like, you know what it's about. Uh, not new under the sun, like guy sacrifices his wife. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's literally the devil. And I, I mean, I guess in a, in a funny way, like he does, that has like hammer film aspects of it as well, but it also has this like really intense, like artful psychological realism Mm -hmm. that ended up being like the potent brew, the witch's brew, if you will, that catapulted Polanski just like to the top. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's very, yeah, very ambiguous and subtle film. You could uh, compare it to The Exorcist, but it's actually even more subtle in in a way. Definitely, like, its cultural impact, like, in terms of, like, the landscape of, like, horror films or films about the occult, like, it has a very uh, huge, you can compare it in terms of its impact, but the the subtle touch is even more uh, present than in The Exorcist because it's really ambiguous, like, whether there really is a supernatural element in Rosemary's Baby, like, you could say that there isn't, and that it's all, like, a mix of, like, drugs... Yeah, hallucinations, and, like, uh, a cult existing, you know?
0: I mean, uh, yeah, you could could say that. You could say that with a lot... A a number of his movies, like, um, Repulsion and The Tenant, that, basically, there's, like, a little bit of an out. And, you know, Polanski, it should be said, has always declared himself to be an atheist. Not a believer. So... Yeah, not a believer in the occult. He thinks it's, like, yeah. interesting for symbolic reasons, but... Uh, yeah. And he's, like, fascinated with evil, but he's just, like, a flying spaghetti monsterist, uh, basically, at the end of the day. At least that's how he presents himself.
1: hmm Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know. When a Swedish but... journalist asked Polanski about his obsession with the occult, Polanski pounced, Who told you I'm so interested? Oh, you guys keep asking me the same boring questions, like, why I'm so interested in the devil. But well, there's something about the devil a Knife in the Water... I think with the devil and the tenant, or in Tess, uh we'll talk about Tess, or in cul-de-sac, or in Bitter Moon. So are you are the victims of your own opinions. You put in your computer I'm doing an interview with Polanski. Ah, Polanski, the devil.
0: Hmm. Yes. Um, I, well, first of all, the tenant does have the, it might as well have the devil in it because it's about like a satanic cult that Mm -hmm. occupies an apartment building that like psyops this guy into dressing into the dead woman who used to live there previously and then jump out of the window like she did in the middle of like a huge, like satanic occult ritual. So I don't know. It's 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 kind of like
1: about it. Why on earth? Like, you know, if he was like, oh, you know, these journalists have just like, slandered me as being interested in devil worship or whatever, you know, after I made Rosemary's Baby, when most of my movies don't have to do with that, why would he then go make The Ninth Gate, you know, (laughs) which like, why would you do that? Yeah, Uh,
0: yeah. well, yeah, exactly. Like, so many
1: years later, he definitely had time to form that opinion.
0: Of course. uh, Yeah. 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 I I, I touch a, I I sense a touch of hypersensitivity to people bringing that up with him. He seems to like really, really get pissed. It's like when Tarantino gets asked about violence in his movies, he has a conniption and basically just freaks out. And it's like, I'm not answering your stupid questions, man. All right. No, like, fuck Uh, you, you know? And it's like, okay, okay. Like Jesus. Okay. Don't want to talk about that. All right. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, uh, this is like a Running subject matter throughout all of your films but then when anybody asks you directly about it you flip out just a little bit curious i would say yes um,
1: absolutely like and it's a totally normal thing to ask someone after they've made two films about devil worshippers uh and yeah. a couple things that like are ambiguously in that category it's not like an outrageous question at all it's not it's It's not yeah Yeah. Uh, and considering the the like a lot of people don't want to make things about the devil you know some people are kind of scared of the devil like they kind of don't want to deal with that stuff you know like still so Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's an eccentric interest to, to have so yeah but yeah, uh, yeah.
0: and I like guess. elite also like like you. nefarious secret societies of like elite luciferian people mm-hmm. definitely is also like it's almost just as common running through and if you just if you just extrapolate that to like evil like conspiracies of like evil powerful people who are awful like noah cross in chinatown who's a, mm. an incestuous pedophile, yeah. you know, in addition to like right. having people murdered and stuff, then it's like, it really runs through all of his films. Like, I mean, I think he has said that he is basically obsessed by the idea of evil or that, you know, the concept yeah. of evil and that's like well, really what drives <laughs> him. So, I mean, uh. yeah, it's like, is it that unnatural to point to that?
1: No, you know, or uh, to to wonder yeah. about
0: that. Also yeah. like just to, just to mention, cause like this is when he got brought into hollywood was for rosemary's baby i guess he was he was brought over i think um with the assistance of uh what was his name the uh the polish guy who
1: gertowski
0: yeah he i think made the introduction for uh, roman polanski to fly out to la and meet with robert evans and uh jason horsley does a pretty good summary of the susness of Robert Evans, who of course was like the hotshot producer Godfather. I mean, people literally call him the Godfather of Hollywood who produced the Godfather. There's now going to be like a movie made about the making of the Godfather with Robert Evans as a main character. He was in that, that Oscar winning doc, uh, that Oscar winning documentary, the kid stays in the picture uh, from the early two thousands. You know, he's basically, he was this like preeminent, huge figure. And what most people don't know about him, and I guess came out in more recent years, I guess he was really sponsored to become, I think, the head of Paramount by a guy named Sidney Korshak, And Sidney Korshak was basically one of the most powerful lawyers and fixers for the Chicago outfit, the Chicago mob, and he basically was based out of Los Angeles, and he was kind of like the mob's man in LA, and you know had associated with like Capone, Frank Nitti, Sam Giancana, Mo Dalitz, and he was friends with like just about everybody who mattered. And I guess he got Evans, who I think started out as an actor, and then I don't know, ended up uh, being put in this very powerful position. And then like one of the first things he does. To basically kick off his hot streak of new Hollywood films is bring young Roman Polanski over, and he's the one that, uh, according to, you know, the legend or what people say, he was the one that offered him the Rosemary's Babies book. And I guess Ruben Polanski read it in one night and immediately agreed to do yeah, it. Yeah, he, uh, so yeah. So, yeah, there's a sense of, you know, like Robert Evans, that I think Horsley talks about it a lot. I'm pretty sure Dave McGowan talked about it in Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, uh, That ba- and, and other more mainstream people. Like, I, I found a Hollywood Reporter article called How Robert, Robert Evans Really Got His Paramount Job from 2013. And I guess it was like a super lyric, Greg Bowser knew everybody. And there were other people. There's also an Austrian guy named Bluedorn, I believe, who is like a kind of a psycho. And all these people had like mob ties and perhaps like, you know, via that as well, like underworld government ties uh, Howard Hughes was like floating around in kind of the same milieu so you know like they bring in Roman Polanski who I ca- okay so the, like I said before this is like an underappreciated like aspect that I feel like even the Manson people don't go into but you have a, a, this young star filmmaker from Poland which is a communist country allied with the Soviet Union and I cannot believe that the sort of cultural cold warriors, just sort of didn't notice the immense value of that and the cultural cachet that would provide. Would that would you say that's a fair assumption? Yeah. So the question is like what and I think Horsley considers it he considered it in one sense that basically, you know, he talks about um he quotes from uh, Tom O'Neill's book, Chaos, and I think O'Neill had talked to somebody who said that there was something, there was a kind of a secret unit, uh, I think it was the SIS, within the LAPD that had sort of ties to the FBI and the CIA and were kind of this like midnight squad that did a lot of shady activities and that maybe Polanski, in order to like squad, rise up and, what's that?
1: zombie squad, if you will. Yeah, basically
0: a zombie squad. Basically a zombie um, squad. And, yeah. you know, basically, like, Lansky's uh, price of admission was, for some reason, like, to do work with them. I mean, he al- he also had some Polish friends around him, like Wojtek Farkowski, who was murdered at, at CLO Drive, who was apparently in all kinds of, like, drug-dealing activities and things like that. And people—nobody ever seems to, like, I don't know, either say— is Polanski like a KGB asset or was Polanski a CIA asset that never seems to get brought up at all. Do you notice that?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, it doesn't come really. on. This uh, is a, no. this is kind of like
0: a political football here. Like this mm-hmm. young Polish director who yeah. comes to America at a Hollywood, like, and then he's making yeah. these like fucked up occult movies. I don't know. Like that there had to be people like keeping tabs on Roman yeah. Polanski Cause if there was the slightest mm. whiff that he was like sympathetic to communism you know what I mean yeah, like that would right, be a problem yeah. obvious like everyone yes, had already been be. blacklisted who was a communist in Hollywood so you're gonna let a Polish yes. guy come over here and mm, you know no you're gonna have to want to have some kind of like loyalty test you're gonna want to screen him like I assume like Milos Forman who was Czech like came over here and was part of the same exact milieu like one flew over the cuckoo's nest you know just making a little CIA novel um that's no, actually a good movie but you know what I mean, though? Like, they don't just let people come in like that and let the But, of course, that's what they wanted people to think was happening, right? like that was part of the yeah. propaganda value was like look at how open and freaky yeah. and free he can be in america the the evil right. stalinist yes. censors in poland or the ussr would never let him make a movie like this with like sexy women getting like butchered and all these other things and it's almost like really smartly a kind of thing it's like calculated to tantalize Uh, Western audiences and also like maybe like trigger like socialist countries to be like, no, they're not going to let that film in, you know, like maybe if he had made like a historical piece that maybe if he had made tests first, even if it had some like problematic shit in it. They would have, like, let it in because it's like, oh, he was this Polish filmmaker. As long as he's not, like, actively, you know, trash-talking us in public, we will maybe we'll play along and, like, yes, the great Polanski, who's educated in our socialist film schools. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I actually don't know even what the Eastern Bloc's, like, reporting on him was, if they viewed him as kind of, like, a turncoat or... You know what I mean? Like, but there had to be, yeah, there was like ideological warfare going on around Polanski. There had to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd say that's good even, even if it was on like a, uh, a
0: sub Rosa level. So it, it's an interesting mm-hmm. component to this. Um, I think it might've been in chaos where some of the right wing people that were part of like the zombie squad, the SIS and the LAPD might have suspected that Farkowski and Polanski might have had contacts with, like, the KGB or, you know, foreign communist operatives or something like that. But I don't think he really pursued that because it didn't seem credible. I mean... He did ultimately talk a lot of shit about, he had that famous quote, like, you know, you have to go live in a communist country to see, and then you come and capitalism is amazing. Like, he, you know, he said something like that. Mm -hmm. So, like, he definitely wasn't, like, and I don't know, there's really no trace of, like, a moral drive or, like, a philosophy beyond, like, nihilism in any of his movies. So I would say, you know, by that, he's almost default, like, pro-capitalist and pro satan maybe yeah. that's a little too far Probably um same. i mean also uh, yeah. also like chinatown could be seen in a certain way as maybe like even though it's definitely not like a marxist parable by any means it definitely has a kind of critical uh, like a, an yes. acerbic a cynical eye on the american system and on like mm-hmm. los angeles itself and like how capitalism operated in a place like california in the 30s that i feel like it kind of like um how in the like Chomsky and the compatible left essay that Lorenzo was talking about how Oglesby's Yankee and Cowboy even though he called himself like a radical centrist that he was basically like doing like a materialist analysis and a class analysis so it's still valuable same with Mae Brussel she was like kind of a liberal but still produced some like really valuable work I feel like Chinatown weird and maybe that's more Robert Town and his like his yeah. ghost writer, whose name I forget. But at the same time, like, for the most part, especially when he was writing the script, it's, like, highly personal, highly nihilistic. It's paranoid in a way that sometimes uh, Friedkin and De Palma's films are. But it's, like, more, I don't know, dark and fatalistic, perhaps? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, there's always, like, a, even in the fear was vampire killers but i guess we didn't mention at the end you know they do rescue sharon Tate, and uh you know the vampires basically are implied to win at the end because they rescue sharon tate and like she it's too late you know she has been vampirized and she goes in to bite roman polanski while like uh you know jack mcrowan is or gowran is in the, like, you know, driving the chariot the or the sleigh, like, you know, through the snow. Yeah, mm-hmm. just obliviously. Uh, and isn't
0: there, there's a voiceover. Like, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It basically says that this guy, Professor Ambrosius, has, like, naively, you know, he's gone to fight the vampires, but naively he's unleashed the vampires upon the world. And there's often, like, a lot of his movies end where it's like, okay, well, now the world's going to end. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or, like, there's sort of, like, an implication that there's going to be some kind of apocalypse or yeah
0: something. yeah uh, so, no exactly so, i mean they
1: definitely ended a downbeat no matter what yes uh, yes but he was real... went, uh, literally the biggest downbeat possible
0: for access to the full-length episode subscribe to the hour of frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad